Welcome back to the True Blue Riffcast. I am Jeremy. I am excited to be back. Whoa. And I am joined, as always, by... Hi, I'm Dave. Uh, I'm here on the True Blue Riffcast uh, with uh, Jeremy. Uh, oh, Jeremy, I wanted yes. to ask you. I wanted to ask you something. Yes. Who's the number one Riff Tracks fan? Is that me or you? Uh, that would be me, Dave. That would be you? Yes. But hey, are you a Riff Tracks top fan recognized as so on Facebook? Yes, I am. What? Ah, oh, dang it. Ah, <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Ah, dang it. <laughs> I have like, I have, I got my diamond a couple of weeks ago ah. and I was just like, and I've just been waiting to rub it in your face because I don't know if you have one too. Oh, I suppose I, I could have looked, I suppose I could have looked at the uh, top, at the top fan list of 47 other people. <laughs> yeah. You scrub. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but dang oh. it. Oh, I was so hoping that of course i don't know why i thought you wouldn't have one of those right but, come on but anyway no yeah that's pretty cool they it, it it's a great way for making people who don't have other things happening in their lives feel good about themselves yes. other than being a big riff tracks fan like me well i got other stuff happening but still yeah <laughs> and i definitely have a lot of other stuff happening or i should say had a lot of stuff happening because uh, as you know, I mentioned at the end of last, the last podcast, almost the last weeks, but we didn't have one last week. And that was, sure did. I, I was on vacation an actual vacation and not just go two towns over and stay at a hotel for three nights. So the kids could swim in their pool. No, this was an actual vacation. Yeah. It's, you know, when you're, when you're broke, that's about all you can afford. <laughs> Is that a thing people do? Oh yeah. We, we usually drive about two hours, uh, go right into Ohio, into Toledo. And there's a, there's a pretty nice little hotel that we, that we stay at and we go to the zoo and all that crap, but <laughs> that's what you do when you're broke. Like when you don't have money, but, uh, well, we've been saving up for a while and we surprised the kids with a trip to Walt Disney world. And we flew down and everything because I was not going to deal with driving around at Walt Disney World. That wasn't going to happen. Or driving um, from Michigan to freaking Orlando. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we had we had a good time. We were at the park for four days, and we stayed at one of the Disney resorts. And it was a blast. I had never been there. Obviously, the kids had never been there. My wife was there when she was, like, six. So, you can basically say she wasn't there before because she wouldn't remember any of it. But yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Hey, did they have uh, did they have the Star Wars stuff there? No. What? No, they they already opened in California, but the uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Walt Disney World does not open until August. I was a month and a half too early. So do they at least have? This is the only thing I care about. Do they have Star Wars stuff there? They they do still have the Star Tours ride, um, which is one of those things where you're in like in a little enclosed ship and it's got yeah. a 3D screen and it moves around and shakes you around. It it actually feels like you're on a roller coaster, even though you're really not moving anywhere. Um, I, I was on I went on Star Tours uh, the last time I was in Disneyland 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, but it's all updated now. Um, we went on. My son and I, uh, while the girls were doing some frozen sing along thing and it was, yeah, it was, um, Kylo Ren was a part of the ride. Yeah, buddy. 
as was Finn and Poe Dameron. And it was actually John Boyega and uh, Oscar Isaac. But not Daisy Ridley. Oh, no, no, no. Ray was not a part of this particular ride. But that being said, we still had time before they got out of their frozen thing because it was like a half hour long. We got back in line and rode it again. That's cool. And we got a completely different video with it. Ooh. It was the first one was all scenes from the newer trilogies. Uh, it had uh, stuff from seven and eight in it. And uh, the second one we went to had scenes from Empire Strikes Back and Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And then we went on it again with my wife and our two daughters. And it was uh, Darth Vader and. Um, some different scenes from different movies again. So, like each time we wrote it, it was actually a different ride. So it it, it encourages what they call in the video game world replay value. Yes, lots of replay value. Um, they said that there's like 50 different combinations that they have for it. Really? Um, yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat. And That's then cool. um, my son and I, while my wife and the girls were doing some Disney Junior dance party thing. Um, we went to the Star Wars landing bay mm-hmm. and there was where you could interact with some of the characters and they had Chewbacca, <clears throat> they had BB-8 and Kylo Ren. Wow, that's cool. And the Kylo Ren one was really intimidating. <laughs> it was weird because, you know, it's just this character from a movie, but it's, it's you know, the outfit, he's got the mask on. And he's talking to you, and it has the modulator in it, and he sounds like Kylo Ren from the movie. And he's, like, ordering you, you know, you go over here. And he got right in my son's face, and he's like, most people only see the light in you, but I see where it fades. And you have the darkness inside you, and go start your training and then come back to me once you've completed it. And it was really awesome. Like That is really, 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 really cool. It was. It that was, is really was, cool. That was my favorite part of the whole thing was all the Star Wars nerd stuff. And they had um, the First Order would come out and march around, like in file. Mm-hmm. And they had um, uh, Phasma leading them around. And it was really – it was just awesome. It was – I, I don't know. That's all I could say. It was awesome. Yay, Star Wars. The uh, only downside now, after four days of walking through the parks and nearly 100,000 steps, according to my Fitbit, is that my foot, even though I got brand new, very comfortable shoes, my foot feels like it's going to explode. No, that's gross. I kind of I kind of hope that doesn't happen. That would, that would that would not be good. No, that would put a damper on things. Like that would be that that would be pretty terrible. <laughs> It's really weird because we do actually talk a lot outside of just the podcast, obviously. And I haven't spoken to Dave in a whole week. And usually there's at least a little like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, did you did you see this? They released this today or did you hear about this terrible movie decision that they're making or whatever? And there was none of that. And it was it was kind of weird. Well, I mean, it's not that I was. Well, I mean, I was avoiding you, but. It would just be like, ah, oh, he's out having Disney having fun. Well, hey, now that we're all caught up, let's move on to headlines. Headlines. Actor Tony Todd, better known to most people as Candyman, turns out <laughs> that he got paid $1,000 each time he got stung by the bees that he uh. was wearing. 
in the movie. How much do you think he made, Dave? Uh, a ton, I would guess, because you can't have that many bees on you and not get stung. It's, he got stung 23 times. And they paid him $23,000 for that. $23,000. This is this is a quote. I negotiated a bonus of $1,000 for every sting during the bee scene, and I got stung 23 times. Everything that's worth making has to involve some sort of pain. Once I realized it was an important part of who Candyman was, I embraced it. It was like putting on a beautiful coat. A beautiful coat of a thousand. Uh, it's like the coat of many colors that you could also get twenty three thousand dollars from. <laughs> yes. Sounds like it sounds to me like that's the reason he embraced it. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, if I got if I got a grand each time I got stung by a bee, I even though I'm deathly allergic to them, yeah. I probably would go for it. I mean, there's that depends, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, my my wrestling uh, gimmick is a bee man. Uh, and you know, it's kind of, kind of weird for me because like, because my life is now a walking pun, uh, <laughs> because it's like everyone and their mother likes to make B puns at me. So, <gasps> yeah. It's yeah. It, it's, and I get B pun, I get B memes and B puns sent to me on Facebook. Everyone at training is always making these, these crazy B puns at me all the time. It's it's my own fault, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, Tony Todd though that guy, wow, that's that's a lot of times to get stung to get stung by a bee. <laughs> Aren't you getting like targeted advertisements now on Facebook oh, for? <laughs> oh yeah, oh my gosh. So uh, like all the stuff I just told you about uh, Charlie B the bee character, and it's gotten so bad now. I mean, not bad, but it's just like. Now my targeted advertisement in Facebook is like from like these Save the Bees websites, <laughs> and they want me to buy like bee like different bee things, and I'm just like, what? This is what my life has become. Is it get like? <laughs> but hey, it, this is what I signed up for, I guess. Also, yes. what, well, number one, I signed up to get my ass kicked at age 37. Now I'm 38. And now I'm uh, a, a guy who wears a bee mask. Everybody sends all these bee, bee memes and stuff to me. Don't at me at Twitter with bee stuff, okay? Don't do it. Do it. Send your uh, best bee memes to at Sugar Ray Dodge on Twitter. Well, I mean, it's going to happen anyway, so you might do as it. well. But, yeah, but it's just like, oh, man. But sometimes it uh, sometimes it gets pretty, pretty weird and surreal. But yeah, but anyway, uh, if I got stung by bees that many times, I guess I'd take twenty three grand too. You know, right. I mean, it, 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 it'd be dumb not to take it. <laughs> Might as well get paid for it. Might as well. In other news, there is a brand new Critters movie coming out this summer. And it's starring D. Wallace, who was in the original movie. Oh wow! Now I um I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I've never seen any of the Critters movies. Is there more than one? There are four. Oh wow! Okay, so that means probably a number of them probably suck, right? 
Yes, the fourth okay. one especially. Uh, the third one was actually the first movie that Leonardo DiCaprio was in. Really? Yeah. It sounds like he would be in some crazy... Uh, now, is this a horror franchise? Yeah. Yeah, but I almost made myself sound really dumb. <laughs> because, you know, uh, with um, you know how Johnny Depp was in A Nightmare on Elm Street, his first movie. Yeah. Then Kevin Bacon was in... Uh, um, the other one, the other Friday big franchise, the Friday the 13th. I don't know if it was his first movie, but still, he's in the, these crazy horror movies. And I was about to say, Leonardo DiCaprio, it sounds like he might have been in some crazy horror movie. Then I realized, oh, wait, maybe this probably is a horror. Maybe I should find out before I say this thing. And there's no way that's going to end up in the final cut of the podcast. So no <laughs> one will know that I was a big fat idiot. Um, Unless but, it does. Yeah. Oh, jeez, oh, no. I'll be so, I'll be like, yeah, anyway. So, but my guess where I'm going with all of this is that um, I'm guessing that you, as a fan of the Critters franchise, which is why you probably brought this up, is that you are not happy with some of the things that are in this new Critters movie. Well, it actually looks fine. They're still using puppets for the creatures, and it's not like some weird little CG thing. Um, so that kind of makes me happy. It doesn't look like it's going to be any good at all, but that's kind of part of the reason why I enjoy the Critters movies because they're bad, but they've been bad in the right ways. And uh, it's got to be better than the TV series that they also just released. That sounds bad as well. That, that was that was not good. Even Gilbert Gottfried couldn't save it. The amount that was in it. Oh, what are these? What are these? Some critters? <laughs> what are you, a porcupine? Would, uh, both of us are what is terrible. Happening? Both terrible at Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, I know. It's just, it's Gilbert in case you couldn't tell. Yeah. Be like, I was in Wings. What? <laughs> Remember oh. that show? It was about an about a airplane, an airport on Nantucket. You know, remember Wings? Remember? Oh. Moving on, <laughs> let's take a look. Let's take a look at the weekend box office. Uh, of course, Disney dominating the box office with Toy Story Four. Of course it was. I mean, I mean, was okay. Come on, is that ever was that ever not going to happen? No. Okay. No. Um, Annabelle comes home, which I don't know why they're still making Annabelle movies. Oh yes, I do because this one raked in twenty million dollars. It's opening weekend. Uh, the Annabelle. I've never even heard of the Annabelle movies. Honestly, it, I'm gonna be. It's some possessed doll thing. I don't. I don't know what it is. I really don't. I think it has to do with the Conjuring films in some way, which also more movies that I haven't ever seen. But um, Annabelle comes home was followed closely by Yesterday, which a movie that has something to do with the Beatles, and then uh, followed by Aladdin and The Secret Life of Pets too. Something interesting on here. I'm looking at this list of movies, and uh, we've got Godzilla, Child's Play, Men in Black, Aladdin, and Toy Story. In the year 2019. In the year 2019, we have all these movies that were out in the 90s. They all had. We're about to enter a new 20s. Think about that. And uh, we're about to enter our own 20s. These are going to be our 20s, Jeremy. Yes. 
our 20s as opposed to the 20s that just happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know what? I'm kind of okay with it. I'm, I mean, oh, with the, oh, not with like the passage of time thing. I'm, I'm fine <laughs> yeah, with that. Yeah, nobody's okay with Obvious, that. Yeah. yeah. But like with like all these franchises from like the 90s or the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that, yeah. uh, I'm cool with it. Uh, because I kind of feel like that's the way it's always been. And that's kind of like how stories get passed down to generation to generation, et cetera. Come on, people now, smile, I'm your brother. <laughs> Everybody get together, try to love one another right now. Yes. I, I'm okay with it, too, in the sense that um, I would rather have a sequel or like a soft reboot made like this rather than them trying to cram them out within a year of the previous ones like they still do that obviously but you know for some of these movies it's it's been a long time coming and rather than getting a just a direct-to-video crap fest like disney used to do with like bambi 2 and fox and the hound 2 and all that at least they're cinderella a wrinkle in time (laughs) aladdin prince of prince of thieves or something yeah, those those weren't good. <laughs> I got an idea. Let's make a Cinderella sequel, but this is about the time travel. The evil stepmother going back in time and getting the wand from the fairy godmother before she made Cinderella, so it never happened. And then, wait, is that what happened? Yes, I just something like that. I've never seen it, but I, I seem to time remember. Travel in it. Oh, there was time travel, yeah. Yeah, she went back in time and she took uh, stopped the events from happening or something. Like Endgame all over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to go there because we don't have time to dissect sure. that movie. Sure but don't. We do have time for a short review of Rift Track Shorts. Yes! Man, just call me the king of segues. Absolutely. Yeah, I suppose it is a good thing we should talk about Rift Tracks eventually on our Rift Tracks podcast. So for today's short review of Rift Track Shorts, we are going to be looking at emergencies. What would you do? This was released on March 20th of 2019. What would you do if a little child ate bleach powder? Do you know what you would do if you fell off of a dock when you can't swim and there are plenty of adults nearby? How about if you were out to dinner and some shady guy was following around a teenage girl. Wait, I'm thinking of ABC's What Would You Do with John Quinones. Anyway, Emergencies What Would You Do sets out to give a few examples of what you should do when one of your friends decides to shake hands with danger. The main thing I noticed about this short is the emotion behind everything. Well, the lack of, anyway. The people either show no emotion or it was completely the wrong emotion. The narrator was way too happy about everything. The bleach eater, her mother, and her friend all showed zero emotion about the situation. And we see some guy that is way too happy to see his house being burnt down. I think the kids that this short was made for probably would have even laughed at this one. It's not as bad as some of the other safety shorts like Danger Keep Out or uh, Live and Learn, but it's not good or really that informative by any means the guys really sounded like they were having a good time while they were recording this one and that always adds so much to the enjoyment of it 
it was a very enjoyable first watch. Uh, not quite at the level of some of the aforementioned safety shorts, but I know I will be watching it plenty of times down the road. That being said, you definitely should go and buy it. Emergencies, what would you do? Gets four dropped baby dolls out of five. How long is it? It's short. Well, I know that. <laughs> but is it like 10 minutes or 20 minutes? Because that does affect the price. Yes. Well, it's 99 cents. It is okay. eight minutes long. All right. That's cool. That's good. I'm going to have to check that out. Um, I remember the uh, the last new that I that I remember. I'm sure I've seen others that I've enjoyed after uh, after this. But the last one that I remember really really enjoying was um, was uh, six murderous beliefs. Yes, that one was. Yes, that was. Woo. That one is crazy funny. Um, that one is, I'm, I'm I'm surprised it hasn't made it into a live show yet. But yeah. um, it's well, that it's was a really good. I mean, it kind of, it was a Kickstarter reward from last year's Kickstarter. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of at least tied to the live show. Yeah, it's associated with, yeah. End up uh, in a category on the wiki for related to our Kickstarter. Yeah. Back back when we were um, talking about Octoman, when we were getting ready for that show, uh, I had mentioned to Dave that the McGruff short was blending together with another one that I knew I had recently watched and it had something to do with a kid eating some sort of, of uh, like powder in the garage. And it turns out it was this one. So it was this one. Okay. Very serendipitous. Yep. Yeah. I know what that word means. Um, (laughs) I want everyone out there to know that I know what that word means. Okay. And that I'm just, it's a choice a personal choice for me to not say what it means to prove that i know what it means yes and he'll have time from when we record this to when it goes live so he can ask siri to tell him what it means so by the time people listen and they say hey do you know what this means and he can say oh yeah it means this and then he yep. can act like he just knew it the whole time right. yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's possible that's not going to happen but i but i will admit i mean i can't i can't admit that that is not uh possible to happen in that time frame there is enough time for that event to happen but it's not going to have to happen because i know what it means yes so moving on to this from the wall i screwed that up (laughs) so moving on from the shorts to the not so shorts dave what do you got for us for vod's today we have two count them two new releases since our last uh since our last time together here jeremy yes because I don't know why we thought this. Um, we thought that, like, oh, there was just a live show. Um, they're probably not going to re- have a new release today, right? And yeah. uh, Jeremy's going on vacation. So, obviously, Jeremy's going on vacation. They're not going to put out a new release. No. They uh, released a new release on the day that was like, oh, we're not going to have a podcast and it's like one of the most interesting things to ever happen in the history of Rift Tracks. We'll get to that later. And then the other day they do another new release. So it's just like so we got quite a bit to talk about. Yes, um, indeed. And uh, I think we'll go ahead and start with, with the most recent new release, the one that was uh, released the other day. Uh, it's called uh, 1990, The Bronx Warriors. <laughs> um, now... 
Jeremy, you've heard me go on and on in the past talking about riff tracks quite a bit, correct? Oh, yes. Very okay. much so. Um, and one of my big, big uh, recurring themes in my thesis is that I spit out at you or in your direction is the importance of uh, movie selection, right? Yes. Y'all like um, pancakes. Yep. We, 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 we all love pancakes, but... You know, if a movie doesn't keep you engaged, it's just death. You know, um, the last few, I would probably say from from Giant, Giant of the Unknown, Giant from the Unknown forward, from Giant from the Unknown to The Power to Yesterday's Target. The three of those were just, they were really hard to choke down. It's just like, ow, oh, this is painful, right? Like, yeah. these movies these movies are very bad, right? And there's not a whole lot to get in there and, and grasp onto. I mean, you're able to stay engaged with them because of riff tracks, but the movies themselves are just, ugh, they're, you know, they're just terrible. And we've talked about all of them on the podcast. This one, I think, is the first one, 1990 Bronx. This is a great Riff Tracks movie selection. I mean, it's just like, and we've also talked about how around this time of year, Riff Tracks tends to turn a corner and um, kind of go out of these more low-key kind of releases into ones that are just like big kick-ass, high-octane like really memorable entries. And I yeah. think this is the first one of those. Uh, it came a little bit earlier than it usually, than it did in say last year or in 2016. Uh, we got it, got this here in, in uh, late June. Uh, it's very like, it, you know, it has all the great, you know, uh, things that make a, like that make a Rift Tracks movie, memorable and you want to go back and revisit it i mean it's a i mean it's a dystopia of course it is but it's a dystopia that's very quite unique honestly i mean i don't want to really get into like what everything is about in this movie but it's it's got great it's got great characters it's got a great it's got a great funny quirky look it's it's just ridiculous on every level and it's just so much fun and it's just like there we go like that's that's the kind of stuff that uh that i just that i just like love about riff tracks vod's it's just like okay here we go all right you know how you kind of like sit back up in your seat like oh yes all right yeah this is what i've been waiting for yep um but uh uh, a couple interesting things about this about this selection, other than that, other than the movie itself, yeah. um, is who directed it. Now, the guy who directed it is a man named um, Enzo G. C- uh, Castorelli, and he has directed uh, quite a few, or or at least two. Yeah. He has directed two, uh, at least two Rift Tracks classics. Uh, he has directed uh, The Last Shark and Warriors of the Wasteland. Can, I mean, like, and those aren't insignificant, especially, you know, Warriors of the Wasteland shares at least one cast member 
uh, in the form of uh, Fred Williamson. Yeah. yeah. And I was just looking at this guy's filmography and just like looking at the titles and I'm like, yeah, this, this, these movies sound like movies this dude would direct. <laughs> but uh, quick aside here. There is one movie on here that is of extreme interest to you and me. Yes. And we're going to and we are going to make it of extreme interest to everybody listening to this and it's a movie called Light Blast. Yes. This movie it defies description. And I don't like pestering riff tracks. Maybe pestering's not the right word, but just be like, "Hey, you guys should do this because like I like the discoverability that Rift Tracks brings to me through the stuff that they want to do. Right. Um, we found so many movies we never would have heard of before. So I'm fine with Rift Tracks doing what they want to do as opposed to, oh, this would be great. I want them to do this. And why haven't you done it yet? Do this, you cowards. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, this is one where I kind of am going to step out of that a little bit and be like, guys, if you guys love me at all, I mean, you don't even have to love me. If, you, if like, if you, like, if, like, like, if you guys even have just like a smidgen of affection for for me, Dave Chadwick, aka Sugar Ray Dodds, at all, please do Light Blast. Just, uh, it's like I can't even describe the joy it would bring me if you guys would do Light Blast. Can I? I I gotta read the little plot snippet from wikipedia for this because i i like i saw this movie i just randomly found it one day and i immediately showed dave and so we both we both ended up watching it on the same day but this this is the plot in san francisco two teenagers playing hide and seek among the cars and an abandoned railway exchange affection <laughs> wait, that's what wait is that really what Yes. A white van arrives in the vicinity and points a gun towards a large LCD clock. <laughs> oh, wait till you see the clocks in this, yes. in this movie. AM 1049. Uh, the teens have sex. The cannon fires all around. <laughs> and then everything melts, <laughs> including the people. And you guys, you guys, the effect for the people melting is one of my all-time favorite visual effects that I've ever seen in a movie. It's it's so oh I can't it's just think think Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh terrible. But way, 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 way bad. So oh. then it turns out that the guy, um Dr. Yuri Svoboda, former professor professor at the University of San Francisco menaces the municipality of the town with his laser ray if he is not given $5 million. I want to know who wrote this plot <laughs> description. <laughs> because... It's so, so bad. But that, that accurately describes the movie. Like, uh, the first uh, time you see Eric Estrada, he's, he's in his underwear, and he's carrying this big serving tray with the turkey and french fries on it into a hostage situation in a bank from which he then pushes a pushes gun the gun through the turkey through the gas 
It's like the <laughs> weirdest, most reverse sexual thing I've ever seen. This is, uh, anyway, go watch Life Last, everybody, and then uh, and then go to ideas.rifttracks.com and just punch that baby up. And I know that they are aware of this movie because I have talked to Connor about it before, but guys, please. Guys, for, for, for me, I mean, I'm going to make this all about me. Please do Life Last. Hashtag, hashtag, do light blast, you cowards. Anyway. <laughs> I suppose we should talk about the uh, the elephant in the room regarding 1990, the Bronx Warriors. Yes. And uh, that this is uh, what some in the group has described as a prequel to um, a episode of this other riffing show, something called Mysteriously Scientific Cinema 5000. It's something like that. Something like that. Yeah. May have heard of it before. Yeah. Um, to be blunt, I haven't seen that episode. <laughs> and everyone's making all these Toblerone references. If I have seen it, I've I've forgotten about it. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm really, really not. But I just like I see all these Toblerone references. Like guys, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. You know, it's just like mainly because um, like my experience with MST3K really focused on the sci-fi years when the ones with Bill as Crow and Brain Guy. That's kind of like my MST3K and that's kind of like why I identify with Rift Tracks so much. I'm sure it's great. I just haven't seen it. I mean, I guess that's all I can really say about it. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about the other elephant in the room. What's that? <laughs> and the fact that this movie was Vic Morrow's penultimate film. Oh, right. That. Right before his uh, untimely death while filming the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, you and I talked about this at length uh, right before we restarted the podcast. If you're not familiar with the story, uh, I would tell you to look it up, but it's really depressing. And it's not... Well, Brought it up. You brought it up. Let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell the story he, super quick. Yeah. He was he was killed by a by a helicopter that fell on him during filming a scene. Uh, him and two um, child actors who were in the scene with him, and uh, he was decapitated by the uh, rotors of the helicopter as it fell on him. Okay, moving on. Enough about that. So let's start talking about something else. Let's talk about the Rift Tracks release. That some have said is the most epic crossover in the history of crossovers, and that would be one Mr. Dave C. I was hmm. about to say that sounds like something I said. <laughs> Dave C. Yes, in the official email from Riftrex, quoted. Hold on, it. wait a minute. Back up. Wait a minute. I didn't know this happened. Yeah. Riftrex said Riftrex used a quote from me. Yes. It, oh wow. I suppose I should check my email more often. Probably. It's a Rift Tracks fans agree. Bridget and Matthew are a terrific tandem. Yeah, I read that. And I'm like, hey, I know this quote. And I saw the Dave C at the end. I'm like, oh, yeah, I definitely know this quote because I saw him say it. Oh, there it is right there. Yeah. This is a book, Epic Crossover. Hey, thanks, guys. I love I, I really do appreciate it when Rift Tracks includes me and stuff like that. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. But yeah. But anyway, let's talk about the two people that this is really about. And that's 
Bridget Nelson and Ma- our our good friend Matthew J. Elliott. Yes, when this was released, um, uh, a week about a week and a half ago now, uh, I was very upset because I I saw what it was, and this this is big. Like, you know, this isn't something that that has happened before. So I got really excited, and then I remembered, oh wait, I'm going to be in Florida on Sunday. We will not be able to record an episode of the podcast. Of course, that happens right when we are taking a break for a week. <laughs> I was very upset. I was actually talking to Matthew about this um, and about how upset I was about it. But, uh, yeah, this is this is very exciting, and it could very potentially lead to more things uh, of this nature. Yeah, I just when I saw it, I was just be like, I was like, what? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And it's just like, you know, to me, it kind of validates both teams, really. And also validates not only the two riffers that are there, but also kind of validates both teams as, you know, as teams themselves and the fact that they're both so strong that they can have this kind of of crossover and put it under, you know, the Rift Tracks, the Rift Tracks presents banner and be like, hey, look, we're all part of the same family here. I mean, I know that's happened before with um, Cole and Janet and um, Night of the Shorts yes. at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. Matthew J. Elliott has kind of, I mean. He does him and Ian, they do live in England, so it's a little bit more difficult. So I don't want to say been kind of like left out or, you know, but they are kind of like the black sheep of the family. And a lot of times it can seem like what's happening with them is kind of isolated from what's happening with the rest of Rift Tracks. For me, yeah, uh, this is a great way to be like, hey, look. We're all the same family here. And, you know, Rift Tracks is, as much as we love Mike, Kevin, and Bill, can be more than just Mike, Kevin, and Bill. And we're we're expanding what the Rift Tracks experience is. So that's something that, I mean, and I've been a fan of, um, you know, Bridget and Mary Jo and Matthew and Ian for years. As we've recently discussed in yeah, the last at few length, episodes. Yes. So for me, I feel like it's validation of Rift Tracks. Not necessarily, I mean, it is validation of Matthew and Bridget being together as a, as, as a team, but it's also validation of Rift Tracks as a family. It's as a family of performers itself. It's very cool, and it's a big, huge, important thing in the history of Rift Tracks. If I ever do write my uh, my definitive history of Rift Tracks book, which I kind of do want to write now, yeah, um, I think that uh, this particular entry is going to be one of 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 significance because it is quite significant. But you know, and you know. This was written by Matthew. It's on point. It plays up to Bridget's sensibilities and Matthew's sensibilities. It's a great – you don't feel like either one of them – it feels organic. It doesn't feel like it, 
they don't belong in the same room because even though they're on different continents, yeah, you, yeah. you, you, it feels like they're, they're, they're there together. It's, it's organic and it's really, really cool. They have awesome chemistry, awesome comedic chemistry together. So I think that it's a victory in that sense. And I really, really hope that this is not the last time we see a crossover like this. Yeah, I I hope so too. I, I don't think it will be. Um, but of course that that all depends on on how well this release does. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so obviously, guys support this. Oh yeah, definitely. Check it out. And and I know we ride you guys a lot about uh just straight up giving Matthew and Ian a chance or Bridget and Mary Joe a chance. Uh this is the perfect way to do both of that together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and this is, you know, this is important. Like, you know, if this is probably going to get, um, if it doesn't win Rift Tracks Presents of the Year for the for for the year in review, it might have to be my editor's choice award, um, because I feel that this is an extremely important moment in the history of 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 Rift Tracks. So I think that, you know, I just want to stress again, you guys want to get this one. This is this is this is a big one. This is this is important. Yes, this is this is definitely important. It's definitely a, a great release. Oh yeah, and uh, Christopher Lee is uh, Sherlock Holmes in the movie. Oh right, yes, and uh, he's being <laughs> they dubbed him out even though he did all his lines. <laughs> <It's so> yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? It's Christopher Lee. Like, come on. <laughs> Christopher Lee of Starship Invasions? That Christopher Lee? The, the one and the same. Oh, God, I'm so happy. <sighs> anyway, so that's yeah. kind of all I got to say about the Deadly Necklace. Do you have anything to say about the Deadly Necklace? Yeah, this this was this was a great surprise. Like, I, I knew something that Matthew had done was going to be coming out on Friday because of the things that I had seen posted around online. And I thought it was going to be a different movie that he and Ian had worked on that hasn't released yet. And I thought it was the same movie as well. And I so asked I, him, and and he's like, no, it's going to be something else that's very special. And make sure you check it out when it drops. And, uh, yeah, this is definitely something special. That's going to do it for us today. You may notice that we didn't actually talk about our uh, half month or half half month, half year in review like we were planning on. That, of course, is because I was in Florida all week and I've been dead tired and I have not had time to actually go back and recheck anything out. So I would not have been prepared for this at all so hopefully next week you'll get the first part of the first half of 2019 review awesome also we had two new releases to talk about this week so it was kind of you know it would have been this weird balancing act it would have been even longer so it is a good thing that we kind of decided to push it out yeah because we absolutely had to talk about this Bridget and Matthew release. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at PB and awesome. You can actually follow the podcast now on Twitter at TB Riffcast. 
You can find me at pvnawesome.com. You can send us a voice message through anchor.fm. The link will be in the description for this episode, no matter what platform you're actually listening on. And you can find Dave. Uh, You can find me at sugarraydodge.com. That's my graphic design website also where I do a bunch of other stuff. You can support me at patreon.com backslash Sugar Ray Dodge. I also wrestle wrestle locally here in Utah as Charlie B, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Google, you can, not Google, uh, search Facebook for either Charlie B or Sugar Ray Dodge, and I'll pop right up there uh, uh, on Facebook for you. And make sure you send him all of your B memes. (laughs) That's right. Uh, We want want him. We want his Facebook and Twitter to be flooded with B-memes. Yes, do that. And send me fan art because that annoys the hell out of my promoter. (laughs) Yes. All right, folks. We will see you next week. 